In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. This is the 42nd sermon in this series of homilies on the Sunday Epistle readings. Every Sunday after the Divine Liturgy, usually I go home and I sit down and I read the readings for the next Sunday the epistle and the gospel for the following Sunday. And I begin to pray and think and contemplate and seek the Lord for what he would have me say in the coming week. So that way I can kind of write my sermon in my head all week and finally put it down on paper by the end of the week. Try to focus in on a theme or maybe one or two verses that really stick out to me. This week, I have been very troubled in my contemplation of this passage from Romans, trying to come to grips with the application of of it to today's situation. And these are the verses that troubled me as I read them. It's kind of a complicated verse from Paul. It says, For when the Gentiles, for when the Gentiles do not have the law, who do not have the law, by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and between themselves their thoughts accusing or excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So like I said, this is a complicated verse. Basically what Paul is saying is that the Jews... They have the law. They had it written down. I mean, they had it on stone tablets. And they had parchments of, with the law written, and they read it every week in their church, in the synagogues, and in the temple. They knew how to live. God had uniquely expressed how to live to the Jews. But the Gentiles or the Greeks or the pagans didn't have that. But Paul is saying that just in their human nature, they had the law written in their hearts. It's in our DNA to know right from wrong. It's in our DNA. In other words, all human beings have received an unwritten law in their hearts, in their very nature, as just being being a human being. It is part of our DNA to have a conscience, to think about every time we do something, is this right or is this wrong? And hopefully being led to the right thing. That's just part of being human. That's nothing to do with being a Christian or anything. 
Now, you may be wondering, why did this trouble me so much this week as I was preparing this sermon? It troubled me because we live in a world today where it seems that many people, in fact, especially in the mainstream of our culture, they have lost the ability to listen to the law of their own humanity. They've lost the ability to listen to the law of their own humanity, what their human nature tells them. Just as an aside, you know, uh, everybody knows that I'm, I'm a Republican and conservative and I voted for Trump. Every now and then when I get depressed, I, I watch a YouTube video of 2016, the election results coming in. And the media are just, oh, they are so sad and crestfallen and dejected and astounded and shocked. And over and over, what you hear from them is that it's uneducated white men. That's the, that's the thing they didn't take into account. Uneducated white men. That's what put Trump over the top. What an insult to all of us who voted for Donald Trump. But then it occurred to me, you know, these uneducated white men, these white men who didn't complete college, if they had gone to college, they, they probably would have lost their humanity, just like so many others have. Because in the universities and the colleges, the professors there are beating the humanity out of people. So that's why I was troubled as I was trying to make sense of this verse, that we all have this human, this conscience within us. And little did I know that on Monday it would get even worse, even worse for me and for all of us. On Monday, the United States Supreme Court issued a judgment that brings into the question the very nature of our humanity. Now, here's what they did. <clears throat> they ruled that a funeral home, there was a funeral home that had a funeral director who was a man. And one day, he walks in dressed as a woman. He says, well, I've decided I'm going to be a woman. And they fired him. Well, he sued them for discrimination based on his gender identity. He sued them on the basis of what he thought his gender was, what he wanted his gender to be. And nobody, nobody thought this had any chance of winning at the United States Supreme Court. I mean, are we going to substitute personal opinion for biology? Are we going to say that the biology of a person is not important? It just matters what they think they are? What if they decide they want to be an animal? I'd, I'd like to be a dolphin. Dolphins have a great life. <laughs> but I'm a human being. God made me a human being, and I just got to accept that. Same way with your gender. You're a man or you're a woman. But unfortunately, the this United States Supreme Court, six to three, 
ruled that the funeral home did not have the, they were violating the constitutional right of this man to change his gender. Lord have mercy. You know, all of this silliness could just be solved so simply if people would just read the Bible. Have you ever sat down and read Deuteronomy? The Bible, the, Bible, the book of Deuteronomy is just chocked full of just a mountain of good advice about how to live. There's laws about taking care of the poor. There's laws about if, if, if your neighbor is in debt to you, on the seventh year, you just wipe away the debt. Totally wipe it away, get to start all over. Man, what a great law. You cannot charge interest to your brother. Another great law. And the, the Bible's just full of all these laws. There's another law that says, don't, don't get tattoos. And so... Think of how many people could be spared the mistake of tattooing themselves with things that maybe they really don't care about anymore. They did at the time, but just, just it's not who they are anymore. And yet nobody was there just to say, look, the Bible says do not tattoo yourself. Don't get tattoos. I'm not saying that people get tattoos are bad people. I'm just saying that there's no guidance. There's no mature person there guiding these people into the way of truth. Deuteronomy also says, A woman shall not wear a man's clothing, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. How much clearer can it be? And yet these nine super-educated men and women sitting on this high court in their black robes have decided that human beings can just decide what gender they have. And they can dress any way they want based on that subjective feeling of who they want to be. You know, this is so, so tragic, not just for this funeral home and for religious liberty and all these things, but for young children who are going to school and being told that they can change their gender and they're being put on hormone blockers and being mutilated and, oh, Lord, have mercy on our country for destroying our children. Lord, have mercy. So you can see why I was troubled trying to understand this optimistic view from St. Paul that all humans have this written law in their hearts, which they follow, and God honors that. If you don't know the law and he sees people who are following that law written in their hearts, he's blessed by that. You know, I saw a young couple walking down the street the other day in Crawfordsville. You know, 20-something. They were holding hands. Man and a woman. I, I just wanted to come up to him and say, God bless you guys for holding hands and just being that way with each other. When you look at all, everything that's going on in our culture and the confusion that people have, 
Just, just following that human instinct to, or a man to love a woman, or a woman to love a man, is honoring to God. The reason we have the men sit on the south and the women on the north. Sometimes we allow the families to mix because they need to help with the children, and that's, that's fine. But as a general rule, we have Christ on the south and the Holy Theotokos on the north. Now, we didn't do that because we wanted to fight back against the culture. And we did that because that's just the way the church always did it. That's tradition. But now it has become a tool for us to emphasize the truth. All these commandments that I was talking about in Deuteronomy, so many of them, they end with the phrase, especially when talking about horrible abominations and types of sins. He says it ends with the phrase that you may put away the evil among you. That's the purpose for some very strict rules. In fact, back in that day, some of the crimes that people committed, they would just be stoned to death. Now, we're beyond that dispensation in the New Testament with the coming of Jesus Christ. That has been abolished. We don't stone people or anything like that who, who sin against God. But they were there for a reason, to put away the evil from among the people, to spare people from evil. You know, I have, <clears throat> I preach a lot about these things and I, I imagine some of you get tired of it. You know, I'm preaching to the choir, so to speak. But I do it because it's about the only place you're going to hear it. And it gets discouraging, doesn't it? Sometimes to be out there and just be hearing the, the lies over and over and over. So it's nice to hear it even if you already know it, even if you already are sure of it. This week's Supreme Court ruling to some degree has shattered our hope of trying to redirect the destiny of our country. I'm not saying we shouldn't keep trying, but I'm saying that our security and faith should be founded in something much more solid and certain, and that is the Word of God. That is in our Lord and God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In every divine liturgy, in the third antiphon, we sing these words. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. We sing those song, that song every week, but do we really embrace it? Are we ready to rejoice if we get persecuted? Are we ready to rejoice and be exceedingly glad if people say, tell lies about us? Which they're already doing. We're uneducated, we're racist, we're homophobic, we're xenophobic. It's already happening. Are we ready to rejoice in that? Not that we want to have a victim mentality. We don't want that at all. We want to rejoice that we are identifying with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who stretched out his arms upon the cross 
was nailed to it, his feet and his hands, and pierced by a spear in his side, who was spit upon and mocked and lied about, made fun of. We want to rejoice to identify in some very small way with his suffering and with the saints who paid the ultimate price, including the saints of North America that we honor today, many of them, St. Juvenali, St. Peter. We really need to take these words to heart. The persecution has begun and, in fact, has been going on for a long time. My children in Christ, as we partake of the precious body and blood of our Lord and God and Savior Jesus Christ today, let us realize that we have already received the most holy and eternal things in life that can never be taken away from us. Let us not be afraid of the present and coming persecution, but rather be obedient to the command of Christ Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward 